basically open banking started with the PSE2 regulation which required banks to publish APIs so I think the banks are beginning to accept the fact that they will have to do it but there have been extensions and there were initial delays in coming up with kind of a regulatory technical standard for secure customer authentication there is uh, some uh, significant momentum in the direction of open banking and uh, there are several banks who have published APIs now yes I think it's about 50% of the banks who have uh, published APIs and they are kind of live or um, semi-live or at least in sandbox they have solutions available and I think 50% are live about 70% have solutions in sandbox that people can test and I think it is not 100% of the banks however it covers more than 80-90% of the customer markets, customer account, because the big banks have come up with an API and they have something functional, yeah, a solution that is available. It's not perfect, but it, it works. Yeah, So there is some kind of functionality in there. I think UK is leading the whole, all countries in Europe with the most advanced APIs. They have had two or three versions of APIs and they are bringing in new technologies like uh, batch payments and also bringing in app-to-app -app authentication where you, you can, instead of logging into coming up with a very difficult authentication, you can go into your app, banking app, and do quick enter the PIN and enter a code and you can authenticate a payment rather than going onto back website and do uh, user ID, password, tokens, and all this stuff to do initial authentication that was planned earlier. So things in the UK are especially moving in a more user-friendly manner. All banks have APIs now in the UK. Uh, a lot of players are using that. So as I see the banking market, the open banking market, there are two types of players. One is the banks who have to publish an API, but API on its own is static. You just sit there and yes, you can access, but you need players who can actually use those APIs. This is where the TPPs, the third-party payment providers, come into play and who will be using these APIs and provide solutions to consumers or corporates or small SMEs. Yeah? That is where the focus is and that is where the play is. So uh, we believe that that is the opportunity and threat for the banks. And banks can themselves be TPPs, so they can also take an active role and provide services not only to their customers, but also customers of other banks. It's an open uh, level playing field. So all TPPs can access uh, 4,000 banks, all the customers of 4,000 banks in Europe, but the banks can also access customers, about 500 million customers of 4,000 banks in Europe. So that is the open field and I think that is happening. About 80-90% of market is covered. The solutions are there, things are tinkering and moving forward, but they are going the right direction. Pace could be faster, but at least there is onward momentum in the right direction. And I think the, there are deadlines have been extended. So till end of this year, most of the banks have to now publish APIs. I don't know whether coronavirus will push that further, but at least till end of December, I think most of the banks have to publish their SCA-based APIs for PSD2 compliance. So that is the state of the play. And Pelican's position is as a TPP, and as a technical provider in the fintech space, the TPV space, we are working on end-user solutions, but we also have interoperability between various APIs. We have a platform which connects to about 2,500 banks on the sandbox domain, 
So we can allow customers to access accounts in 2,400 banks all over Europe using different standards. And we also have APIs and a product and solutions focus on corporate market and SME market where it can provide payments and account information services to corporates and SMEs using the connectivity that we have across Europe. You said you you weren't sure what the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic would be. Surely it's a case that people are looking more and more towards a digital banking solution, which is going to take them to these platforms and theoretically lead to faster adoption. No, which is correct. It's just that the... The effect of publishing the APIs that banks are supposed to do by December, what will what the effect will be on that deadline, meeting that deadline. That's all. Because banks should be able to do their work from work from home policies and all that. But whether technically they are able to bring up the system and make them go live when there is COVID-19 interference. Yeah. I'm quite optimistic because the work from home policies and staying at home and working long distance or remotely has kind of shown that the cloud-based solutions have a value and have a role to play in 2020 onwards. Yeah, In the third decade of uh, 21st century, I think cloud and mobile and remote connectivity and all this stuff will have a very significant role to play and it will have some changes, I think, positive changes, I think, in uh, in our lifestyle in coming years. That's my personal view. But that's a different thing from PSD too. <laughs> Are we saying, therefore, that we're still sitting here right now waiting for things to happen in the sense that people have been telling me for a couple of years that the platform is coming and it's going to be fantastic and you're going to be able to do all sorts of things to it, but it requires that functional API environment and you're saying that's still not here yet. About 2,000 banks are live. So there is an ecosystem which people can use. It's not 100%, but it is covering 80-90% of the accounts in the European field. So I believe that there is environment where we can have applications which can actually work. Of course, the take-up will be slow because people have to get be aware of that. They have to use it. The applications also have to make sure it has to go. It has to go through two, three rounds of iteration where it becomes very user-friendly and complete and usable. So there are applications which are out there which are being used by people, right? I think Barclays, for example, has an application which allows you to connect to all banks' accounts in UK. Then there is a, another company in UK called Yold, which is actually a ING company which is allowing you to do payments and account information for all UK banks and some other countries in Europe. So there are applications out there which are being used and it is kind of proving the point that PSD2 is operational. It is beginning to work. The the acceptance is not as widespread, it's very little, but the principle, the concept has been proven. How far behind the UK is the rest of Europe in terms of adopting this? I would say six months to a year because UK had the the first deadline uh, in 2018, January 2018, they were supposed to have something functioning. UK was much ahead for 2019, yeah. But but I think about six months to a year, I think UK is ahead in open banking field. Germany and other countries are catching up, but I think UK is definitely the leader. The UK and Europe are leading the world on open banking or the move towards open banking. India and China are the leaders in open banking. India had an API a few years ago, and there was they call a UPI, Universal Payment Interface, that was designed by the government and pushed by the government, and it was used by the banks as well as available to 
various corporates and everybody. Yeah, so that is operational for a few years now. Uh, China also has an API which is used by WeChat and Alibaba and all those people to make the payments. But I don't have details on that. But I think that is also operational and it's functional. And then comes Europe leading the way on the standards, which are kind of community standards, ISO-based standards. And then uh, Singapore, Australia are also following the pack. US is also working on it a bit behind. The main driver behind PSD2 was screen scraping of the accounts. So that there were lots of companies used to log in on your name using your user ID password into the bank and give you the information. And that's what actually created this CST2 regulation to not allow that because it was a bit insecure. In US currently, there is no regulation against that because there is a user ID and password. There are many companies like Mint and all that. They just ask you for user ID and password. They store it and go into the bank and then they go into the bank and get the data out on your behalf and give you all the bank details that you want them. Of course, you cannot make payments, but it allows you to get all the bank balances and transaction information and all this. So there is no driver for that because, because the regulation is a little bit lax. People are getting the services they want. They are a bit insecure manner, but they are still getting that. But I think in payment initiation, there are discussions happening where they are coming up with a standard for the open bank. You say it's going to take some time, but the ability to provide payment initiation is one of the key building blocks of successful open banking, isn't it? One of the drivers for open banking has been the competition, creating a competition in this arena where a lot of new financial products can be offered by fintech using novel technologies and making the life and uh, uh, work life and payment, the day-to-day business as well as leisure life of people much more easier, right? So you should be able to make instant payments straight away and uh, not worry about payments for waiting for three days and things like that, right? So that is the driver for making the whole business transaction life cycle smooth. So that is what the driver is. From my experience, this is Abhinav, is that I think most of the new players are coming in from data aggregation point of view. So uh, Path mentioned YOLT right now from ING. That also is all about aggregating data to be able to give that unified view. So it's not based on a payment infrastructure. And most of the new you know, sort of kids on the block who are coming in into open banking are mainly coming in from account information services more than payment initiation. We think it could be two things. It could be that, you know, the FCA licensing rule around PIS is far more stringent than AIS. So that's one. And I think the domain itself is, I think, more technical and complex to be able to manage end-to-end real-time payments. In today's instant world, I think instant payments are easier said than done. So I'm not sure if payment is the only driver because more and more players are coming in from data aggregation, being able to give that unified view like YOLT and make the customer journey more rich and easy to sort of manage. Account information has a lot of interesting values. You can see real-time your balances, quote-unquote, your net worth and all the stuff. That makes people feel comfortable. And also it is used for lending. So I think that is one of the use cases. Because now, based on the bank transaction, if you can allow somebody access to a bank transactions, they can see all your expenses, all your incomes, your disposable income, and they are able to make a loan decisions very quickly. There are some companies which give you loan decision in 10 minutes and you have, uh, the, if you approve it, the payment is in your bank account. The loan payment is in your bank account within an hour. 
So that can, those kind of uh, applications are available out there. That is only possible through this account information or the transaction information. But on the other side, the the payments, payment also, the PSU-based payment, which is bank account payments, will compete with the credit card monopoly that people have, the, the two companies have, basically where the merchants end up paying 2 to 4% of their uh, sale to these uh, credit card companies, banks and MasterCard, Visa. And with open banking, they may have to pay 10, 20 pence per transaction, instead of uh, 2, 3, 4 euros uh, or pounds <coughs> per transaction. That is also one of the drivers and behind payments and payment initiation. And uh, I, I think my, my view is also that there is a payment component in a part as part of every business transactions. One is use exchange goods or services and other part is payment. So all transactions have a payment component. So if you make that easy and straightforward and seamless or transparent or kind of make it like an Uber, Uberization of payment, it just happens, it gets done. That is the scenario, then it is the best way. Yeah, so you don't worry about payments, but that is possible only if you have these kind of APIs available for payment initiation and it is incorporated in some secure apps which will do these things in a streamlined manner.